I'm glad I'm here. I am sad I'm not there. I really am for a lot of reasons. I love you all. I love being at Terrell Road. I've been going to Terrell Road for coming up on 40 years at least. It's close to that. My daughter's down there. My Wilkes family's down there. Uh, but I am thankful for this technology, actually. If, if you, if we only knew the amount of global, global uh, power and creativity of mathematicians, theoretical physicists, engineers, draftsmen, accountants, businessmen, uh, people who dig ditches, people who lay cable, metallurgists, miners, how much it has taken humanity, and this is global, to get to this stage where we just have these electrons and photons going around and we can see each other. If you remember seeing 2001, that little kind of phone where he was at that earth station and he was phoning back to his daughter, yeah. Anyway, so uh, I love you. Sorry, I can't be there. Uh, this is the next best thing, though. Uh, for this morning, I'd like, I'm just start my stopwatch here. Uh, for this morning, I'd like us to just read through Paul's letter to Philemon. That's, that's um, what I want to do. Read it, and I'll make a few comments about grace and truth. Touch on slavery a little bit. And uh, then I'll pray. That's, that's my agenda. So let's get started. Um, COVID-19, I'm really, really, really happy for how New Jersey has done as a state. This is your data. Uh, and even though uh, New Jersey has had one of the highest uh, cases per capita, deaths per capita, look at your data now. Keep going. What, the conversations that I've heard are good ones. Keep your space, keep your distance. Wear a mask when you're going out for the benefit of other people. Uh, these are our data from Ontario. We're not doing as well as you have done, if you look at our charts, but we are trying to keep our distance and we're trying to limit the number of people congregating. So those are my COVID-19 comments. Keep up the good work. Don't let down your guard now. Let's read. Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and the church in your house. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Accordingly, Though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man and now a prisoner also for Jesus Christ, for Christ Jesus. I appeal to you for my child, Onesimus, 
whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. I'm sending him back to you, sending my very heart. I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I preferred to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but by of your own accord. For this perhaps is why he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever. No longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all, or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it to say nothing of your own owing me, even your own self. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. Same time, prepare a guest room for me, for I am hoping that through your prayers, I will be graciously given to you. Paphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greetings to you. And so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. And so ends the letter. This is a personal letter. It's a private letter, and we get, we get to read the whole thing. Um, I think you know basically the story of these three men, Paul in prison, writing to Philemon, who is a notable Christian in the church at Colossae, which is a city in present-day Turkey. And it's the letters, basically, there's some, uh, there's some formalities about the character of Philemon, and we learn about, about their relationship, but the letter's about this person, this third person, Onesimus, who apparently was a slave. He was a slave, Philemon owned him or was his steward, and he had run away. He maybe committed a crime, and he'd run away and he finds himself in either Rome or Caesarea, where Paul was, and Paul meets him, and they talk, and, and he gets saved, and then Paul decides it's time for him to go back. There's a legal, there is a, the right thing to do is for him to go back. And that's what the letter's all about, about the issue of the crime perhaps he had committed, and the issue of his status. He, he is, was a slave, and Paul has now found him to be a, a person in Christ and useful, and he's sending him back to Philemon with some expectation 
I think, of status change. Uh, slavery in the Roman Empire. It's easy to talk about that because it is back then. Um, slavery's been around as long as humans have been around. Uh, here is a quote from a Roman fellow making some comments about slavery in, in this Ias Gentium, which was the equivalent, the Roman equivalent of, co of common law, the laws that were current all through the empire. Someone is subject to the dominion of another person contrary to nature. In other words, there's a comment that nature is not like this, but this is a construct that we have. Here are just some data about how slavery was in Rome, the Roman Empire. A lot of people were slaves. I think Gibbon in his Decline and Fall maybe quotes the number of 50%. Uh, slavery was not based on a skill set. It wasn't just people who had no skills. There would be doctors, there would be engineers, there would be carpenters, there would be accountants. There would be all types of people at all levels of the workforce who could or would be a slave. And it wasn't based on race. It wasn't based on the color of someone's skin or what language they spoke. It, it crossed all those boundaries. You could be of the same genetic makeup in terms of how your skin looked or the language you spoke or your accent or what sports team you followed um, and you could still be a slave. Um, there were various apocrypha literature in antiquity uh, and there was, a, there was one Christian apologist who wrote to Diogenes about Christians. And I, I really like this stuff because it gives a little picture of the, of the essence or the ethos or what it was to be a Christian in Rome where there was an empire, where there were, there were kings, there were gods, and Rome had a big debate about the status of the, of the, the emperor. But look what he says about Christians. They are distinguished not by whatever country they're in or what language they speak or any of the local culture stuff they do and food they eat. They are in the flesh, but they don't live according to the flesh. They are workers. They do all kinds of work like everyone else does, but they see their citizenship as being otherly. They're, they have a higher calling. They're counterculture. They do obey the laws. They respect laws, even though maybe they're not according to God's laws. But at the same time, they live at a higher standard by just their lives. So this was an apologist writing to, to, to Diogenes um, very early. And I think, I think this is a good example to maybe how we should be. Um, I need to say something about slavery. It's hard not to say something about slavery with all of the news about George Floyd and the global volcanic response to that act. Um, 
and you could call this a political statement, but I'm just aware of in your union, there's been slavery at the beginning for a long time. In Canada, we are not immune to such things. We have done terrible things to the native population that are just being dealt with now for at least 200 years. We are not better people than Americans. But I will say that I believe that a Christian response to this shouldn't just be all lives matter, in my opinion. I, I take that analogous to people's houses are burning. They have no insurance. And we say, but every house in our community matters. We all, we, we all, every house is valuable. Every house is something. That, that's, that's how I see that. Um, I think that black lives do matter enough to pay attention. And at least, at least to have fellowship and to stand up and say that for centuries, the black church, many of them have responded with love to hatred and violence and lynchings. They have prayed. They have tried to be like Jesus. And I think we need to be responsible and standing with our brothers who have been oppressed. Paul, Paul was a prisoner. Aphia was probably his wife. And Archippus might have been a, a servant or a son of theirs. And they were rich enough, Philemon, to have a church right in his house. Uh, here's the map. Um, just want to point out uh, a few places. There, in red there would be the seven churches that John wrote to from Patmos. Colossae is just a bit southeast of there. That, that's the town that uh, Philemon was from, as was, as was Onesimus. Paul was in prison. Uh, scholars are not sure exactly, but he, what, he, was, he was in prison first for two years in Caesarea, and after that he was in prison for at least two years in Rome. And so this letter was written in one of those two spots. Here we have evidence that Paul was in Caesarea, he had this whole set of trials before Felix and Festus and Agrippa. And it says here, they just arbitrarily chatted with him. And then after two years elapsing, he wanted to go to Rome. Uh, he was left in prison. So perhaps at this point is when he wrote to Philemon. Or I think it's a more common view that he was in Rome. He was under house arrest and he had some freedom there for two years. He was able to see friends, was able to preach, open, an open door. I want to ask these questions. What is truth? I think we're good at, we're, we're truth people. We don't believe in relative truth. We believe in absolute truth. Jesus said that he was the way, the life, and the truth. He said that he bore witness to the truth. And the Roman governor asks the philosophical question, what is truth? I hope we know what truth is. I hope we don't, we don't uh, go too far in claiming something that's truth that may not be true. 
I think we need to stick to our guns. We need to stick to our orthodoxy that the assemblies have always had about the person of Jesus and his nature and his mission here on earth and our responsibility to respond to the gospel. What is grace? Um, this word truth appears 120 times in the New Testament. It's an important word. Uh, the word grace appears the same number of times. In my opinion, we as Christians in assemblies are not as good as grace as we are at truth. Um, in this letter, you get the word grace twice. At the beginning, which was Paul's customary way of speaking, and then at the end. The Lord Jesus is our example. To get the right balance, we must look at his life. He was, he was a man blazing with grace and truth. The two words come up together first in, in John's gospel in reference to Jesus. So following his example as he treated people and how he related to people and the poor and how he related to the sinners and how he related to leaders with power and pride, these, I think, are guidelines for us. Um, he, hears, he hears of, of, of Philemon's love and his faith. As I go through these, these slides, I want you to think of the words that I've highlighted and think if you would categorize them as grace or truth. Um, I believe that grace is to us not natural. It's supernatural. I think truth comes a little bit better to us. We can see that a bit clearer when someone breaks the law. We can see it when someone has done something stupid or terrible. We can say they deserve that. They, they broke the law. They didn't meet the standard. They failed the test. I think grace is much harder for us when we see people who are maybe broken themselves. He prays for his friends all the time, Paul. He's hoping that as an evangelist, Philemon's faith would, it, it would be effective as he shares it, that there's something good about being in Christ. I hope that when we talk to other people about Jesus as we have chances, and it's harder and harder, I find today, to talk to people about Jesus for a lot of reasons. But I hope there's something good about Jesus that you know that you're sharing, something that would be attractive. I think that's what we need as Christians something that's attractive to our neighbors, to our friends, to our families, that would make them say, yeah, I, I'm interested in following Jesus, or tell me about that. Philemon's a, a good brother, a very good brother. He brings joy and comfort to Paul. The saints are refreshed. That would be a good thing if we could be remembered as we pass on as someone who's gracious, who actually refreshed people. When they came into the room, when they visited, people were refreshed. They were lonely. They felt they had a friend. They were down. They felt encouraged. That's, that's the kind of man that, that Philemon was. And now we get to the, <laughs> to the difficult part of the letter. It's always hard to write this kind of letter when there is some truth at stake that needs to come 
forward. And Paul takes the following tact. I believe it is the courteous tact. It, it's the gracious road. He could have just simply laid down the law and at the end of it said, and, and by the way, you owe me. He, he gets there, but before he gets there, he says, I'm, I'm not gonna command you, though I could. Though there's truth involved here. I am, I'm an apostle. I could command you on such things, but I want to appeal to your heart. And he just says, and he's vulnerable. Hey, I'm old now. I'm not doing miracles anymore. I'm not preaching all over the place. I'm old and I'm a prisoner. Consider that. And so he wants to make an appeal on behalf of, so you'll also see here a great imagery of the gospel, of someone willing to stand in our place, someone willing to take the heat for us. That's the Lord Jesus. That's the one who's gone on, who is our redeemer. But just, just, just that imagery is, you can't miss it as you read this letter. So Paul, like, like Onesimus, doesn't say anything. This is Paul standing before him he these are these are gracious words father child um and he makes a commendation he admits that onesimus was a broken man that he was a bad man in a sense he was useless he was an ne'er-do-well he wasn't helpful to you at all was he when he whatever he did but now now like his name <laughs> he is useful. I find him very useful. And that's good. That's good to commend people, to say that they have use, they have value, they, they have gifts. Paul was like that. He, he found that people were useful for the gospel, and he wanted to commend them for that. So I'm sending him back. And as I send him back, I'm doing it. I'm putting it out there. I'm being vulnerable. I, the apostle, am saying, I need a favor from you. I need you to think big now, Philemon. I need you to think bigger than what the law says this man deserves. And in my opinion, Paul knew that slavery was an institution. He'd been there for hundreds of years. He wasn't about to preach a treatise or go out as a revolutionary and say, Slavery must stop and stop now. He didn't do that. I admit that. But I believe he, he, is, he is implying some very strong things about what it means to be a Christian community. He says, again, it would be glad if I could have him. Maybe he actually wants him to come back. But he's just he's reminding him that uh, I'm in prison and, and I need some helpers. And he's, he's tactful. He doesn't want to overstep. He says, the right thing for me to do is to ask for your permission. This is Paul the Apostle with, with great authority, asking permission of this other man, because that was, I guess, the right thing to do under the law. That was the truthful thing. Um, but again, I don't want you to feel compelled. I want you to do this action voluntarily. So those of you that are in pastoral care, it's very hard work. 
I think there's some lessons here in dealing with people. And he just says, he's not sure of God's will. He, he's not sure what God meant in all this, but he just said, maybe, maybe it's God's will that he would be back here. And here it is. Here's, here's Paul's commentary, I think, on slavery in the Christian family. He is a bondservant. That's who he is. That's his status. But um, that's who he is in the flesh. But now, <laughs> can there be equality? I think that's what Paul's driving at here. We don't see our family as slaves. We don't see someone that we love in that light. I'm a free man. Paul claimed that many times. I'm a Roman citizen. I have a right to a fair trial. I didn't buy my citizenship. I actually had it by birth. The same way that you'd receive me, receive this man. That's tough, you know, when someone is outstanding and some other person is a criminal and has been deceptive and has been sneaky. Receive him as you would receive me. And just so you know, I'm willing to pay back whatever it is. He's willing to go ahead, like he's even willing to pay the debt himself. I, I will repay it. And then he reminds him, and it's a good thing, to rem remember that things are mutual. There are things that we've done for people, good. And people, things that people have done for us, good. So could you refresh my heart like you've refreshed the heart of the saints? Paul's confident that he will, that he will obey. And he's expecting him to actually do more than what Paul is asking him. Paul is very hopeful. He wants to get back with the saints. He likes the hospitality of Christians very much. Um, there's the word grace again. And Paul has some friends. He has another guy who is with him in prison. There's some people around him who are his fellow workers. And that's, that's how the letter ends. I hope, as, as my time has ended, I hope that we as Christians get this right. I hope that we are balanced in our view of grace and truth. I hope that we give people space. We give them some rope. We give them some time. We give them grace as God has been gracious to us. And as God has forgiven us, and as God is patient with us, I hope that we are the same as we uh, act in the world and as we treat one another.